We all come from a long history of badasses. I do not want to see that go to waste. Okay, Jim Persian. Yes. Hopefully we can host them in Iran one day. I will promise you we will. His parents discouraged him when he mentioned his passion. So little Avzi had to play piano secretly. Poland, uh, things that come to mind, not a whole lot, no. Probably not a whole lot. Uh, Polish sausages? No, I don't know anything about that country. Poland? Sausages. <laughs> Pierogies? Is that it? We hope it's not. That's what we're going to try to show you. Welcome to Polcast, Pole and all that jazz. I'm Małgorzata And I'm Tomek Kniat. Welcome to the 53rd episode of Polcast. Tickets for my family and I, and today we all came in. Fantastic. Watched. Do you have any Polish connections? Uh, no. No, so you just can't. Oh, that's the so music connection. The music connection. Yes. That's so Which fantastic. Which is more international. Beautiful. And what did you think about it? I thought it was really good. Yeah, what did you like the most? 
It was very funny and the music was really good. Yeah. How old are you? Five. Five? What's your name? Kimia. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. What did you like? I liked the part when they when they were playing music. Yeah. And I like the really ending part. Do you guys play any any instruments? Yes. What do you play? I play the trumpet and the piano. Oh wow! Do you go to a music school? Yeah. Do you play an instrument? I play piano. So you want to be like those guys? I mean, that would be nice. That would be nice, right? How did you enjoy the concert? Fantastic. Fantastic. Love it for sure. How did you find out about Mozart Group? For many many years we knew them and we were quite shocked that they are here and surprised. My wife uh, surprised us and bought the ticket, but How so... did you get to know them? I watched them on YouTube first. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Where do you come from originally? Iran. 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 Yeah. Okay, yes. so you're Persian. Yeah. Yes, we are. And all, these are your kids? Yeah. These are yes. me and my sister. My sister. Hopefully we can host them in Iran one day. I will promise you we will. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna have a ton of uh, people over there. Teresa is Polish. You're Polish. Yeah. So how did you find out about this? Teresa did. You did. I did. So you brought so it. We, we cannot go to any Polish uh, shows because obviously he would not understand. Right. So when I saw the advertisement, I figured that's a fantastic opportunity. Exactly. And then we check on YouTube, so he'll see what it is. What do you say? It was great. Awesome. Loved it. Oh, loved it. It was yeah. a lot of fun. It, funny all the time. The humor without language right from the music and it was a great opportunity here's great music and at the same time entertaining right yeah. and yeah just right. everything to, oh, would, you, the, would you go to that kind of concert again oh obviously yeah, i'd see these guys again over and over again it's so funny yeah <laughs> i had a great time Do you sometimes play seriously, like you did at the end, the encore, the Mozart encore, but is that something that you do often? Just just uh, the one piece during our show. Who came up with the idea of the movies and the subtitles and the silent movie? That's so cool. In Poland, we have we have all show about travels. Okay. And that was the part of uh, of this show. We couldn't play this whole show because uh, there's a lot of information and music and song for just for Polish people. Mm -hmm. So we uh, we made a mix uh, mixture of, of our pieces, uh, which is which could be understood by both by public, both, yes, Canadian, yeah. public, public Canadian and, and also uh, Polish. There were quite a lot of people who were not Polish here and who were absolutely stunned. So yeah, we are really. Uh, yeah, we are really satisfied that people are, are watching us somewhere on, on the YouTube and then they are coming here. And I, I, I think uh, the music is kind of um, meta-language. <laughs> I think that people, music makes people happy and, and friendly. That's, that's why people are coming to our concerts. Are you ever serious? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but in life, are you guys funny? No. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, what do your family say, for example? I mean, do your families think that you're funny or not? My my family says, Dad, stop, please, my God. Is that right? So, uh, <clears throat> what makes me really happy to is uh, to make my daughter, my my son, my my wife I love. Yes, I love it. I have a question uh, because uh, classical music is so beautiful, and you guys are so good. You used to play in orchestra, so why not? Still do that. So every every one of us played in the or orchestras, but there's something wonderful to, uh, in ma making Mozart group, making uh, some something very new for us. It's very new, very original, uh, and we are very really blessed that we can mix using classical music and mixing it with with with, with jazz, with, with uh, movies. So um, 
we are happy that we can do something very, really original. <laughs> not only Catholic. As one of the most Catholic countries in the world, it is always associated primarily with this religion. But according to the data, in 2014, there were over 170 churches and religious groups and associations in Poland's register of the Ministry of Administration and Digitalization. The second most prominent after Catholics are Orthodox Christians, with over half a million believers. And one of their holy places is a spectacular mountain in eastern Poland called the Holy Mountain of Grabarka, sometimes referred to as the Mountain of Crosses. Because this mountain is covered with hundreds of crosses, old and new, wooden and metal, small and large, some with epitaphs in Cyrillic alphabet, all of them placed there by worshippers for personal intention. The sanctuary is visited by thousands of pilgrims a year and is as important to Orthodox Christians as Częstochowa to Roman Catholics. It all started with a miracle in 1710, during the cholera epidemic, when inhabitants of this eastern region of Poland called Podlasie were fleeing villages and towns in fear of the deadly disease. And then one old man had a vision that to save your life, you need to plant a cross on the mountain of Grabarka. So he and his fellow villagers did that, prayed and drank water from the mountain spring. They were all cured and saved. So to thank God, they built a wooden chapel on the top of the hill and the votive crosses started appearing in large numbers. The day when crowds are the largest is the 19th of August, the day of transfiguration of Jesus. 
People stop at the bottom of the mountain to wash their faces with the water from the holy spring or use the water to wash their sore body parts. Grabarka Mountain is home to the Martha and Mary Convent of Mercy, the only female Orthodox convent in Poland, founded after the Second World War. The wooden Orthodox church was destroyed by a fire in 1990, with only two icons and some documents saved, but fully rebuilt, it reopened in 1998. This truly magical place is definitely worth visiting. This is another segment resulting from our collaboration with a group of students from Poland, History Buffs, who created a very interesting website greatpols.pl. We featured them in episode 49. This project has a new boss, 16-year-old Barbara Kargul, is in junior high school and wants to be a surgeon in the future. She's a polyglot and languages are her passion. She is fluent in Polish, English and Spanish, studies French at school and knows some Russian and Turkish. Barbara is interviewing Konrad Opałko, a 17-year-old high school student who is following, as he says, a rare and unique classical course where I have the opportunity to learn Latin, Asian history and Mediterranean culture. Konrad's passion is music, which is why he plays the clarinet and piano. I'm Barbara Kargel and I am the new host of this segment of Polcast. Today I'm joined by Konrado Pauko, who is a junior this year, as well as a member of the Great Poles team, to talk about Andrzej Panufnik, a famous Polish composer in the 20th century, as renowned as Krzysztof Penderecki and Witold Lutosławski. He grew up in a family of musicians. His mother was a violin player, and his father constructed string instruments for a living. So, Konrad, could you tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up in such a family and how it affected young Andrzej's career choice? I'm not sure we can say that it was an artistic family. Andrzej Panovnik's mother, Matilda, who was English, was a talented violinist. She knew by heart all violin concerto of Bach, Beethoven and Brahms. Young Andrzej heard all these pieces as a child and when he was like six or seven years old, he started to dream about the career of a professional musician. He wasn't taught music. His parents discouraged him when he mentioned his passion. So little Andrzej had to play piano secretly. It was his grandmother who taught him piano and helped him very, very much in his life. I remember that when I was talking about Panovnik's childhood with his wife, Lady Kamila Panovnik, she mentioned that his parents were always busy. His father constructing violins and his mother playing the violin all day long. Little Panovnik was a quiet and lonely child. He had two great passions. One of them, of course, was music, and the second was an aviation. He was really absorbed in constructing wooden models of planes, but because of his parents' financial problem, he had to give up this passion. As we all know, his musical education wasn't always easy. At the age of 11, he was expelled from the Warsaw Conservatory since he failed a practical exam. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, as I mentioned, little Andrzej Panovnik started his musical education with his grandmother when he was five or six years old. Then, when he was 11, he got admitted to Warsaw Conservatory, and after one year of studying piano there, he had to pass his semester audition. At the audition, he saw that Szymanowski, a famous Polish composer, was in the jury, as well as a professor who was very unpleasant to him. He completely lost his nerve, his hands started to sweat, which made the piano keys slippery, so he failed. Those times were actually really difficult for him, but he didn't give up and was still playing the piano, and even started to compose some small pieces. 
Once, when Andre was 16, his mother showed one of these tunes to the owner of a music shop where she usually bought her scores. He, in turn, brought it to the attention of a really good poet of that time, Marion Hamar. Hamar not only wrote the words to this tune, but he also included the finished work in a concert he was preparing. And then it was performed by Adolf Dimscha, a most popular Polish actor of the day. This was the origin of the song Och Pardon, which quickly became a hit. Andre and his parents were tremendously excited. When they were entering the concert hall, a ticket collector asked young Andre, How old are you? He promptly responded that he was 16. The ticket collector then said, No, it's not suitable for people under 18. His parents then chimed in with, But he composed the music! No, he can't go in. So his parents and older brother went in and were stunned by performance, and poor Andre had to walk home alone and never heard Adolf Dimsha singing Ach Pardon. That's a shame. Well, moving on to the 1950s, the times of communism in Poland. Panufnik was the most famous and respected Polish composer, but in 1954 he escaped from Poland to England to spend the rest of his life there. Why did he decide to leave his homeland? Well, it was doubtlessly the most difficult decision in his life. For us today it may be difficult to understand, but we have to remember that the period from 1949 to 1956 was the most oppressive time for Polish artists. Panufnik, as a composer number one in Poland, had to face strong political pressure. As we know, since 1949, communists forced artists in the Soviet Union and the other oppressed countries to create their works in a new social realism style. Musicians were forced to compose pieces exalting communism. Panofnik, who composed music in his own style, utterly different, was condemned by critics and communist government. He was really unhappy and felt stifled. That's why, when in 1953 he tragically lost his first daughter Una from his first marriage, he decided to defect with his first wife, who was Irish, and leave everything behind. But I think that you will understand the exact reason why he did it, when you hear a brief part of an interview that I had a privilege to do with the composer's widow, Lady Camilla Panufnik. What was the main reason for escaping Poland? Yes, mm -hmm. um, there were several reasons. One was that, that um, he couldn't compose anymore. And this was very painful for him because everything he wrote was criticized and um, and he had to go to all these ghastly conferences and things and he, he couldn't stand it but also he he sometimes was um, asked to help entertain intellectuals from the West and he got very distressed inside himself um, at the way they thought it was communist system was wonderful and people would come and say oh we're so pleased to visit your wonderful communist um, country and it was so fair for everybody and so wonderful and and he he couldn't stand this um, because he thought that the Western intellectuals were completely blinded about the, the miseries of, of um, the Soviet domination and, and communism in Poland. Moving on to the time when his career flourished, which was after 1963, while he was living in England. Let's talk about his life and work there. Well, after a very unhappy marriage, Panofnik hesitated to marry for the second time, but he was already in love with Camille at the time. So they finally decided to marry in 1963. A few weeks later, the Panofniks moved into a Camilla's grandmother house in Twickenham by Thames. Panofnik, who all his life was looking for a quiet place to live, finally found it in Twickenham. His wife arranged a peaceful studio in their garden in an old carriage house. It was a place where he worked for next 30 years and where he composed seven symphonies, five concertos and a lot of small orchestra and vocal pieces. 
1963 he composed Symphonia Sacra, the piece created for the Millennium of Poland, which won the Grand Prix Award in a composing competition in Monaco. That award allowed the composer to view his future with more optimism. Yeah, and indeed, next 30 years of his life were very, very happy and full of success. As a conductor, he was working with the biggest orchestras of the world, like London Symphony Orchestra, New York, Chicago or Berlin Philharmonics, and many, many others. As a composer, he was definitely fulfilled. His works were mathematically planned. He never started to write in a score if he hadn't planned or mathematical structure of that piece. That's why he was really appreciated. In 1991, the year of his death, he, as a first Polish composer, was knighted by Queen Elizabeth. Thank you so much, Konrad, for this interview. Thank you all so much for listening. That will be all for now. Don't forget to check out our website, greatpoles.pl, and read more about Andrzej Panufnik. Many great ideas appear and then disappear without ever being implemented. But here's a story of one that didn't follow the sad path. In episode 48, we talked about a movement of young, dynamic Polish-Canadian professionals who have organized 12 annual youth conferences called Quavadis, which means Where Are You Going?, the last of which was held last fall in Burlington. They have been meeting and talking about the future of Canada's Polish community. A few months later, I talked to three of them, Louisa Schatzon, Nicole Bryczkowski, and Michael Młynarczyk. The quality of our Skype connection with Michael is not great. I'm very sorry. We had this conversation in mid-April, just before the official launch of their brainchild, Connect, spelled K-O-N-E-K-T, a new young Polish-Canadian professional's own organization. My name is Nicole Bryczkowski. Um, uh, to be quite honest, my connection with Poland is quite limited. My parents are both from Poland. I went through the motions of Polish school and, and church and everything, but never really, it never really stuck with me. And I guess I kind of fell off the radar with Polonia. Um, and then I was introduced to Louisa, and she told me about what everybody was trying to start with Connect. And... You know, I thought this would be my uh, second chance in trying to reconnect with my roots. Okay. All right. So, Michael, how about you? I was uh, born in Poland. I came to Canada when I was seven. Um, I grew up in London, Ontario. Uh, there's a Polish community there. Um, we have a Polish church, and, you know, I went to a Polish church, Polish school. Uh, I was involved in uh, Hatsesvo, the Polish scouting, for a long time. Um, and uh, after I grew out of Hatsasvo and like uh, the student groups, uh, I wanted to get involved in something else. I uh, went to the Kovadis uh, Youth Conference in Burlington um, in the fall. And after that, there was a group of people that uh, wanted to continue being active in uh, the community, I guess. And uh, instead of just meeting and talking about uh, what youth, what Polish youth in Canada should do, I guess we decided to start an organization to um, get organized. Louisa, how about you? Um, I manage corporate partnerships and strategic partnerships for Baycrest Hospital in Toronto. I had a similar uh, experience to Nicole, I think, in that I grew up in a, a family that was very involved in the Polish community. Uh, my mother headed up a prominent uh, Polish music school, so I was regularly being dragged to a lot of Polish events. Um, I never really, those events never really resonated with me. It wasn't until uh, Kovadis and uh, Ekran got started up that I started to take a little bit more interest. Um, and then I went to uh, the Poland in the Rockies conference 
And that taught me about Polish literature, Polish culture, um, and about how subversive it can be. Um, and that really resonated with me. Um, just being a little bit more progressive and, and that excited me. So I learned about parts of being Polish that I didn't know existed. I met a lot of really cool Polish people from all over North America. Um, and I would say that that kind of catalyzed my real interest. And um, uh, Mike and I started talking um, at Quo Vadis in Burlington this past October and a few of us kind of got together and that's how the wheels started turning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we actually in launching connect, it's taken us about six months to launch connect. And we did a lot of market research. This is not an organization that's being launched on a whim um, or based off of intuition. We really wanted to approach this as we are launching a product. And as with any product, you have to conduct market research. And so what we noticed from our research is that there is a very specific brand of Polonia that is prominent. And that brand of Polonia does not represent the 1.1 million people in Canada who identify as Polish, and that includes second, third generation Poles. Um, that specific brand of Polonia is only about 2 to 5%. And that is a brand of people who speak Polish at home, or at least with their parents, may or may not have been involved in Harcerstwo, may or may not have gone to Polish school. They have a very strong identity with being Polish. Uh, so for, for myself, going back to high school, um, these people really liked techno music. They would go to um, dances at uh, the John Paul Center. Um, the, the ones that the people that I knew were not particularly interested in rock music, which is what I was into. I was actually a bit of an anarchist and a goth. So, I, you know, when you're a teenager, like music is such a huge part of your identity. So I think that was one of the major ways that that, um, that my identity broke apart. And a part of this brand is that you must speak Polish. And I think that that's something that we've really, as a community, have failed with. And it's something that a lot of other communities do not demand of their youth, um, mainly because you're going to alienate and then your community shrinks. Now, Michael, what's your experience? For me, um, the only disconnect would be that a lot of the Polish organizations in Polonia are run by like, people of a very, or I would say an older generation, a different generation, and those in their 30s and 40s uh, maybe don't socialize with those people too much. Um, so we need something, I think, to fill that gap between the very young organizations and maybe... Polish-Canadian Congress and the Polish Veterans Right. Am I right thinking that you did try to incorporate your young ideas and your, your own outlook on life into those existing organizations, but it just didn't seem to be working out? Am I right? Uh, that work wasn't necessarily carried out by our specific group, but yes, for many years, various individuals that we're close with and who are prominent figures within the young Polish community, so to speak, have worked quite a bit to get more involved in the Congress and with the veterans. And although there has certainly been progress um, and there has been integration. Um, perhaps it hasn't been as uh, as, as quick as, as we the younger generation would have hoped. What do you say, Nicole? Um, I honestly never tried getting to any of these groups. Um, as with my previous experience, like I never really felt welcomed, um, which is why I like what uh, the business plan that uh, Louisa drew up for Connect and all the marketing and research. It it appeals to me because it it's targeting people like me who've kind of felt uh, nationally indifferent about Polonia. So it, it, it's, it's encouraging to mm. that, that it's like, hey, we recognize that you've had these issues. We want to welcome you into our group. In your organization, you, you, this is your idea that, you know, even if somebody doesn't speak Polish, but they want to have the connection with the Polish, I don't know, uh, culture, Poland, then you welcome them. Is that what you're planning to do? Absolutely. And our, ent our entire mission statement, our entire goal is that there is an unwavering and an unchanging part of our identity, and that being Polish descent, of some Polish descent. So, so in our organization, we don't care if you speak Polish, if you don't speak Polish, if you're Catholic, if you're not Catholic, if you're straight, gay, black, white, 
if you're, you know, mixed race, um, there's a lot of people in our community now who are second or even third generation, and they have very loose ties to some of them have never even been to Poland. So what we are really trying to focus on is this Polish descent part, where we are Canadians of Polish descent. And, um, and this demographic of people who do not... Um, who perhaps don't speak Polish, perhaps aren't Catholic, that actually represents like a really high number from our research, about 80% of Canadians of, of Polish descent in Canada. So we're trying to address the needs of this wider community that has gone neglected. Okay, when you came up with the idea of Connect, uh, for example, for Nicole, who had so much less connection than the two of you, what, what attracted you to this idea, Nicole? Uh, just uh, for the opportunity of belonging to something that's that's Polish related, um, I like I, I've well I've been to Poland a lot and I do have some Polish friends, but I just never felt that that uh, sense of belonging, and uh, I thought this would be my opportunity to feel that uh, sense of belonging and fulfill a need that's never been met. What is the idea? Tell us about how different you are from everything else that's possibly around. Um, I think the biggest difference is the target age group. Uh, we're young professionals that are no longer students, but um, also um, don't belong to the older Polonia. So uh, we're an association of a younger Polonia. Um, and also there's uh, no real professional organization. There are, I guess, uh, from what I've seen, professional organizations of young professionals in the Ukrainian or Italian or Jewish community, uh, but there is none in the Polish. So it's an opportunity to network, to connect, as our name is, um, with other uh, people that are of Polish background and young professionals. You have very well-established careers now, right? You don't necessarily need any help in that respect, right? So what is it that you want to do? Um, uh, that's a good question. Uh, I think it's uh, never bad to uh, network with other people. And so uh, there's two things that can be accomplished with that. One, um, I mean, you're not always going to be in the same career. Um, and if you have a business or something, you might want to sell your products or branch out or make contacts or get a new job from someone else. And two, it's good to, I think, to, I guess, uh, meet people that are of the same background, have the same interests. And uh, also want to help preserve the Polish culture and heritage and celebrate it here in Canada. I saw your calendar. It's full of all kinds of events for even this year. Do you have membership fees? Um, yeah, so we do have a, if anybody is interested, you can go to connect.ca, connect spelt uh, K-O-N-E-K-T dot C-A. We tried to Polishify connect a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um So it does have a full uh, list of all the events that we're partnering on this year. So a few of two, there's going to be two skills building events, one on the 14th, which is already confirmed uh, the 14th of June. um, And that's taking place at the consulate. We're going to have likely a seminar about negotiation with a prominent industry leader. Our launch event is on April 18th, and that is at a secret venue. It's actually a very trendy and bespoke uh, bar on King West in Toronto. We're going to be announcing the venue as well as the password to get into the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's a pass. This bar actually has a password every night. Um, so we're going to be doing a venue takeover and the password will be announced on social media the week of the event. So that's April 18th. Um, and there's a series of, of different uh, skills building events. There's also opportunities where we have partnered with different skills conferences where our members will be given a uh, exclusive uh, membership discount in order to attend them. Um, and we're also going to be having a series of social events. We have a vodka tasting scheduled for uh, November. Um, we're going to be doing um, an event around Ekran, the Polish Film Festival. So we're trying to make it so that there's going to be a lot of value with with actually signing up for the membership. Have you looked around uh, in terms of what other communities do? And I mean ethnic communities. Is this something that you've seen other communities do? Is it your or is it your unique idea? Our strategic plan is copying other communities. So I should say that the membership fees that we are collecting, yes, they are helping to cover some of the event costs. Albeit, we are keeping event costs low with a lot of strategic partnerships and sponsorship. Um, but ultimately, we're fundraising. 
And something that a lot of communities have done that the Polish community has not done successfully is we don't have a hired staff. Most communities, the people who organize events and who organize community events for different um uh, cultural communities, there will actually be a hired staff uh, um, that, that that manages all that, and then they are governed by a board of directors. So um, our first goal, I've actually done this with a, a nonprofit in the past, is our first goal is we're all going to work as a volunteer board of directors, but our strategy here is to fundraise enough so that we are able to actually have a hired coordinator uh, within the next two, three years. We're still building out like our five-year plan, and then from there on, then on, we'll be able to have continuous programming, which will then generate more revenue for us. And that will allow us to have the revenue to do bigger projects within the community. For example, um, you know, donating to the veterans, um, building maintenance, uh, building more buildings. Um, just we're really trying to copy actually a lot of communities um, using their models. Um, I would just add that I think that the reason why our community is mobilizing um, is because there's, there's just nothing like this that exists right now, and our community is shrinking. It's not like there's a waves every 10 years of more Polish immigrants coming here um, to kind of uphold some of the institutions and give them purpose. Uh, our institutions are becoming less and less relevant. They're losing funding. Um, there's n nothing to say that uh, some of these buildings can't just be bought out and turned into condominiums. And that's frightening for me. So um, as much as, um, you know, I may have grown up with like a disassociation to the Polish community, I really want these institutions to, be, to exist for my parents, um, especially. Uh, I think it's really important for immigrants um, to, especially when in their uh, in their old age to have cultural centers that they can relate to. So it's important to me to maintain Polonia. It's important to me for me to maintain Poland in Canada. Uh, should I have children, I would like for my children to speak Polish. I recognize it'll be very difficult to do if there's no Polish school or if there's no community centers that I can take them to where they can be exposed to that a little bit more. Kind of, we're, we're in a really urgent time, I would say. Um, there's not really... There's not, it's not really a choice right now to not do anything. I think it has to happen um, if we care. And I mean, the community can just dissolve. And sometimes, and that's happened with a number of communities in, in Canada. For example, the Slovenians, like mm. they don't really have a space anymore. They used to. We had immigration uh, before the war, right after the war, a huge influx throughout the 70s and the 80s. So just constant people rolling through and now we're kind of in that teetering off phase. Um, so if, if we don't, if we don't mobilize, um, it pains me that we haven't been successful in mobilizing. It pains me that, that we have to, we have so much, so much ways to go in order to maintain it. And the long awaited launch evening came, connected dusk, equipped with the secret password. It was to be a secret one, so being loyal to our hosts, we won't reveal it. We were led into the well-hidden trendy bar downtown. It was full of young people, and the atmosphere was really upbeat. That's what it's like when a new thing is being born, and people are really excited about it. Okay, welcome everyone. So I'd like to welcome everybody to Connect at Dusk, which is Connect Polish Professionals. This is our launch party. My name is Louisa, and I'm one of the board directors of Connect Polish Canadian Professionals. Uh, I'm really excited. I see a lot of the usual suspects in the room, but I also see a lot of fresh faces, and that's exactly what our goal is here. So I want to tell you a little bit about Connect and how we got here. So there's been a lot of secrecy about our conception. Um, over the past 10 years, many of us have been involved in different leadership roles with Ekram, uh, the Polish Film Festival, Kuavadis, and a variety of different Polish student groups. Did you guys know that there are 1.1 million Polish Canadians in Canada? 1.1 million! It's quite a bit. Now, over 50% of those Canadians are actually third generation, which means that your grandparents immigrated here. So we still got a ways to go. We need to go after these third generation. Uh, so from a business perspective, this signals a huge missed opportunity because we're missing over 80% of Polish Canadians from engagement and inclusion from the vast array of cultural institutions in Polonia. 
So Connect School is to fill this unmet need and create a brand of Polishness. We are currently defining that brand of Polishness that is modern, open, inclusive, diverse, and accepting of all Poles. So Connect wants to celebrate and acknowledge that Poles come from a variety of backgrounds, upbringings, identities, and values. Some Polish Canadians speak Polish, while others don't. So Connect wants to celebrate and honor every single Polish Canadian. Connect is a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization that offers relevant and sophisticated spaces for professional development, community building, and networking under the umbrella of a defining, unchanging, and should I say unwavering identity, and that being Polish descent. We all come from a long history of badasses. I do not want to see that go to waste. They have found their own voice, but have not ignored the input of the older generation. Here is someone very important to these young people, Walter, their longtime mentor. Okay, all the failures, thoughts and lessons learned. First thought and first lesson, can cats and dogs get along? Yes. Yes. The answer is very, very yes. Okay, and my socks will tell you that yes, because I have cats and dogs on them. But my friend George has 40 dogs and 20 cats living in his extremely large home up near where I live in the country. And they all get along. Nobody bites anybody. They all sit on each other. They all communicate in whatever way. So what's the lesson learned? The lesson learned that most of these things that haven't worked in the past haven't worked for one reason. People got all personal and huffy and puffy and pissy about things, and they started to walk away. If you want cats and dogs to get along, the answer is really easy. They have to decide they're going to get along. So first lesson learned is not to make the mistake of previous organizations. Get along. That means put your ego aside for a second, and if somebody pisses you off, don't walk away. Go talk to somebody else. Get along. Okay, second lesson, or second observation, is can pigs fly? And I have a tie that says pigs can fly on today, and I picked it deliberately, because in the 21st century, anything is possible, including these things, really these things called chimeras. And chimeras are, in the 21st century, when you can re-engineer life, when you can reverse engineer the human genome, you can do anything. So what's the second lesson learned? The second lesson learned is connect can do anything. But what decides whether Connect does anything or does nothing? The answer is people in this room. Don't bitch, don't whine, don't complain. Do. And the first and easiest thing about doing is getting together and hanging out, which is what you're going to do tonight. Um, Opportunity. The bad news is, every time this disappears, the group of people that's left gets smaller. The opportunity, however, is by the people that are still left in the room. And that's you guys, that's your friends, that's people you can reach out to. And the people you can touch using a remarkable thing, another gift to the 21st century, the thing called social media. You might have heard about this thing, yeah, this thing you keep in your pockets. The nice thing is you can leverage yourself to be bigger than any organization has historically ever been simply by reaching out. You've got a lot of friends that will help you do that. You can reach out and touch people that are your age, that are rocking and want to get in touch with you, that are sitting in Krakow today and looking at a screen want to talk to you. But you can reach out to Edmonton or Latvia or Estonia or Kazakhstan and you can talk to other people that share one thing. So why are you in the room? The answer is, for a thousand years people brought you here. For a thousand years they asked you to remember where you came from. And if you remember where you came from, you can understand where you're going. And where you should be going tonight is get to know each other, get to like each other, have some fun, enjoy the evening, and bring more people the next time out. Have fun. I'll see you guys at the next event. I've asked a number of young people about their impressions. I want to know why you guys are here. Kasha? 
I'm here because I'm trying to organize a Polish organization for the next generation of Polish Canadians who may feel like they're not engaged or they don't have spaces to network and connect. A lot of Polish Canadians are uh, not pure Polish anymore. They are Canadian and they have different backgrounds. Uh, they may be from mixed families. They may be from the LGBT community. Uh, they may have other sort of ideas about what this should look like. So we're trying to create an inclusive space for everybody. Uh, the traditional Polonia is more than welcome. Uh, we want to uh, encourage those traditions, uh, but we also want to welcome people who maybe don't speak Polish and don't feel comfortable in places where Polish is spoken uh, as much. Are you happy with today? Tonight? I, I'm thrilled. I'm delighted by tonight's event. The turnout has been tremendous. The support has been tremendous. I have no words beyond that. Matthew, why are you here tonight? I just want to say first, this is amazing, this turnout. We've had over 100 people here come out tonight, and I want to say thank you to everyone for coming out tonight. I think what's happening here tonight and, 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 and what we're building here, this is giving voice to a segment of the community that is getting more engaged and wants to see our community succeed, understands that Canada is a mosaic of cultures, a mosaic of communities, and we want to see the Polish community have its voice along with all other Polish organizations. And we want to work with everyone, strengthen our community, to build our community into an influential voice in this country, and not just in this country, um, and beyond, and in Poland as well. And we look forward to working with everyone. And if we look in this room tonight, there are some people here who are engaged professionally in various careers, who bring different ideas, amazing new ideas. I've heard some incredible ideas. Those ideas that we've collected, that we are going to work with everyone that's been here tonight, I'm really excited about that. I really am. And, and, and the reason for that is there's a buzz here, and I've come a little late to this organization, um, but I see their dedication. Um, they've been working on this day in, day out, and the passion that I see here, I think I want to stress that word, the passion that I see um, is something you don't see every day. You never go to the Polish functions, you don't participate. Why are you here today? Well, really, I heard about this from my sister, who's helping to organize this event, and I thought it was really interesting that um, something in downtown Toronto is happening with the Polish community, so I, I wanted to participate. It's close to where I work, it's close to where I live, and it's in the community I'm in, so I wanted to be a part of that. Was it fun today? It was a lot of fun. Uh, I would definitely go again. I would definitely uh, sign up for the membership. Um, and I liked the vibe, definitely. It was a, it was a very enjoyable. Why did you never get involved before? To be honest, mostly because anything that was related to Polish um, kind of community was kind of far away from where I lived. It was always somewhere in Mississauga or Oakville, somewhere kind of distant, and I never kind of made the time to um, you know invest in those kinds of events. So um, this was in Toronto, and so I really kind of appreciated that. My name is Carmela. And you have no Polish roots whatsoever. I don't. I'm actually from Italian heritage. All right. And why are you here? I am here to support the, the Polish community, but also to support my good friend Kasia Kaminska, who I grew up with. And I've been pretty much exposed to Polish culture for about 15 years now. And I absolutely feel like there's similarities between Italian and Polish culture. So it was a very easy for me to uh, integrate into this community and be a part of it. I am very happy to be here today and supporting them and being their photographer for the day. Okay, Michael, so you, apart from being always involved in the Polish community, now you're the sponsor. Tell me why you decided to get so much involved in Connect. Well, when I was um, a university student, I received a lot of Polish scholarships, and, you know, now I want to give back to the community that has given so much to me. Uh, you know, even getting into medical school, um, I made my connections that helped me to get into medical school through the Polish club at U of T. So, you know, it was uh, something that helped my career, and that's why I want to give back. A lot of people say it's new, it's special, it's going to be different. In what way, what do you think? Well, I think, you know, firstly, the name is different, Connect. The name, um, you know, talks about a community, which sometimes as a Polish community we're somewhat divided. Um, hopefully this will allow us to connect further. I think the second reason why this will be a great success is because of the founders. The founders uh, have a lot of experience in different fields and they have a vision. And one reason why I sponsored this was because of the vision that they presented, a vision of uh, future success and community building. So you're going to be involved as a sponsor, as, as also as, as a member? Definitely as a member and definitely as a sponsor, yes. 
Polcast is very excited about Connect and proud to be its media sponsor. And happy to hear Louisa say this about us at the Connected Dusk event. Who listens to podcasts here? Lava. Should. So, if you're interested in listening to a podcast that will tell you about what's going on in the Polish community, globally and in Canada, that is presented in English, it's presented intellectually. Are you an intellectual snob? I am. It's extremely well done. Polcast. I highly, highly recommend that you listen to Polcast. Smacznego. We're here talking about a beautiful chicken in Polish lemon sauce dish today and our love for eating Polish. My name is Peter. And my name is Laura. And we wrote two heritage Polish cookbooks called Polish Classic Recipes and Polish Classic Desserts, where all the recipes have been handed down from previous generations. But updated for modern kitchens, so no more pinch of this or glass of that. We've been eating a lot more chicken lately. It's lean, healthy, inexpensive, and generally easy to prepare. One of the smartest ways to get a whole chicken on your table these days is to buy a rotisserie chicken from your neighborhood grocery store. That's especially convenient when both partners work. Our challenge, though, is that Peter really hates dried-out white meat, and he's not a big fan of leftovers. Since there are only two of us most evenings, we can't finish a whole chicken. That means I have to constantly come up with new ways to reinvent the leftovers into something Peter will be happy with. But I do the dishes, don't I? Well, most of the time. Anyway, one of my favorite preparations is this chicken in lemon sauce from Warsaw. This was my great-grandfather's favorite dish, and for years it would always put him in a good mood. Peter's great-grandmother was smart because she used it for that happy purpose, but a little too often because over time he became suspicious, expecting bad news to follow after each time he saw chicken and lemon sauce on the table. We love this recipe, and not just for the leftovers. Often we'll roast our own chicken, which is pretty foolproof and super easy, or just buy one on the way home from running errands, specifically to debone, so that we can let the pieces be smothered with this awesome, light, and bright lemon sauce. If you have a three-pound chicken, it should serve about six. It needs to be cooked, skinned, deboned, and cut into pieces. For this simple sauce, you'll need soft butter, flour, a couple of beaten egg yolks, chicken broth, lemon juice, and of course, chopped dill. While the broth is coming to a boil, in a separate pan or heat-proof bowl, mix the butter into the flour and stir in just a few tablespoons of the hot broth, slowly, one at a time. Add this mix back to the rest of the boiling broth. Take the pan off the heat. Add the egg yolks. Stir in half of the lemon juice. Stir it well until the sauce is smooth, then taste it. Your sauce should be bright and clearly lemony, but not so tart that it puckers your lips. Add more lemon juice if you need to. Sprinkle in the dill, stir, and taste again. Season with salt and pepper if you want, but be careful with the salt since dill can add a salty back note to the sauce. Laura serves this lemony chicken dish spooned over rice with fresh veggies and a small salad on the side. In fact, I always put a little of the lemon sauce over the veggies as well. Yum! The full recipe for this dish and information about our heritage cookbooks is on our website, www.polishclassiccooking.com. Just scroll down to the article posted recently on January 5th, 2018. Smacznego! In the past episodes of our podcast, we have covered a large number of stories and presented to you many amazing people. And it's our great pleasure to update you on some of our interlocutors' new achievements, as well as some new developments in the stories we have featured. Remember Marek Probosz, a Polish actor working in Hollywood, who is not only an actor, but also a director, author, and a UCLA drama lecturer. We featured him in episodes 44 and 45. Currently, he tours in the one-actor show, 
the Auschwitz Volunteer, about Witold Pilecki, whom we presented in episode 49. This multimedia stage production has been featured at American Jewish University, UCLA, and in venues in Canada and other cities in the U.S. Together with a team, he is now working on a play, Auschwitz Number 432, about Marian Kowodzi, who was on one of the first transports to enter Auschwitz. He was given number 432. He survived and never spoke of his experience for 50 years. After a serious stroke at age 72, he began rehabilitation by doing pen and ink drawings depicting the experiences he and others endured in that concentration camp. That's the basis of the play, starring Marek Probosz, who is also the co-director and co-playwright. But the play needs support, and here are excerpts from a letter from its producer, Ron Schmidt. Dear friends, our crowdfunding campaign for Auschwitz number 432 kicks off at an important but discouraging moment in our world. According to the Washington Post, and I quote, 41% of all Americans and two-thirds of millennials surveyed in a recent poll cannot identify what Auschwitz is. 22% of millennials in the poll said they haven't heard of the Holocaust or are not sure whether they've heard of it. End of quote. As the number of Auschwitz survivors declines and the number of people lacking the historical knowledge about the Holocaust and Auschwitz increases, our play, Auschwitz number 432, is more important than ever. Our play dramatizes the history of Auschwitz survivor Marian Kowodzi. His story is told through his words and his horrific pen and ink drawings that depict his experiences in the death camp. Join us in helping spread Mr. Kowodzi's testimony by getting this play to the New York stage. After theatrical runs, we will take the play to schools, synagogues, churches, universities, and other venues throughout the U.S. and internationally. You can find more information about the play and the campaign, as well as how to contribute, by visiting our website, mypolcast.com. You've been listening to the 53rd episode of Polcast. Polcast is created, recorded and produced in Toronto by... Małgorzata Bonikowska and Tomek Kniat. For a lot of additional information, multimedia, links, please visit our website, mypolcast.com. And while you're there, please share your comments, your reactions, and suggest ideas. If you know of any interesting story that we should cover in our podcast, please let us know. If you like what you heard, please share it with your friends. Oh, and don't forget to rate this episode on your favorite podcast app. And we leave you with that famous song, Ach Pardon, which Sir Andrzej Panovnik composed as a teenager in 1931. Thank you for listening to Polcast. Ordynarny typ. 